last week we looked at uh, four C's mainly and then two ways to apply uh, the options that you and I have. Uh, we first have commandments, convictions, matter of conscience, conjecture, is it wise for you, and then just plain old choices. And so as we start to think and you start to think about things in life, they fit in one of those categories. And if you missed last week, we defined that and you can, you can figure that out. So uh, the five areas we're looking through, where do these things fit? What is uh, things that I can compromise or can be okay with someone else being okay with? Or what are the things that are commandments and convictions and there's no wiggle room in those areas? Now, one of the things that makes all of this conversation um, a little bit more heavy, a little bit more complicated, a little bit more exhausting and daunting is the fact that we in our culture have so many options. So because you and I have so much information coming at it, it dulls our senses to the point when you and I have to make a decision, we're just, we're just tired to begin with. We don't want to take the time of thinking through how this fits in decision-making and what I can touch, what I can do, and how I can do it. And uh, this, uh, just, this just shows us how that's true. cereal is simple, right? Well, not anymore. What kind of Cheerios do you want? Honey nut, chocolate, multigrain, peanut butter? There are actually 14 variations to choose from. A trip to the supermarket can get overwhelming when many popular products come in more than a dozen varieties, like the 15 types of Thomas English muffins. Even vanilla is no longer just plain vanilla. Breyer's ice cream and frozen dessert comes in half the fat, lactose-free, extra creamy, no sugar added, and more. We found 27 versions of Crest toothpaste at one store. The company makes more than 50. That's 43 new products. And I tell you, you've heard me say this before, now I buy my toothpaste online. Because I can just go rebuy what I just bought because I cannot stand trying to figure out and I get, think I get it home, and it's a different kind than I expected. Way too much energy choosing stuff. I hate when I have to get ice cream. I like ice cream, but I hate going to the thing and trying to figure out which kind to get. And I don't know if you've noticed, they've stopped making chocolate chip ice cream the old good way where the, the chips are just kind of like slithers in there. You can't find that anymore. But someone out there uh, knows how to restart the ice cream making process with these real chocolate chip ice cream. But anyway, I digress. But there's just so many options, and in the beginning, we think the more options we have, the better life is. But there's like this tipping point where it gets to be just too much. And then that gets carried over into the rest of our life, the way we think, and it even gets into our spiritual life that we just get exhausted and don't want to make decisions. We don't want to have conversations. We just kind of want to let it go. A uh, few people have made thoughts or good little quotes on this idea. Uh, learning to choose is hard. Learning to choose well is harder. And learning to choose well in a world of unlimited possibilities is harder still, perhaps too hard. Another person says, in a world where we have too many options and too little time, the obvious thing to do is just ignore stuff. And so we just start ignoring, and then when something important comes into our sphere of influence, we just kind of let it go. Uh, just recently, I've started uh, earmarking important emails because I got so many emails. And uh, I put a little red flag on them so I don't lose them. And uh, it's, just, it's just too much and too much stuff. 
Another quote says, you can be crippled by too many options, especially if you do not know what your goals are. And a part of our discussion is trying to figure out how faith, how a growing walk with Jesus actually affects our decision-making, affects the way we look at all the options in our life. When people are overwhelmed by options and when they are anxious about it, they turn to denial, ignorance, and willful blindness. And sometimes that really is true in Christian world. We just don't want to deal with it. We don't want to think about it. We deny that something's on the horizon. We ignore it. We're just over-inundated by choices and decisions, and we're willful blind. Jesus said it this way, and you might want to write this reference down because this isn't in your message guide. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provision. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be meet, met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You, you're my dearest friend. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. And sometimes you and I are just really when it comes to all these things, we're, we're, we're nervous that we're going to miss out, and we don't want to miss out. So it just makes it even more daunting to figure out what is going on. And in church world, in local churches, you've got to remember when you took a look at a church, a church is a local assembly of Christ followers. So when I say a local church, I'm thinking not a building, I'm not thinking an organization, I'm thinking Christ followers that make up that local body of Christ, that church. And, you know, when it comes to these things and it comes to those four or five C's, it's interesting that in church world, usually it's the bottom three that really are the sticky issues and people fight about. Uh, fight about choices, fight about carpet color, fight about all these kinds of things, uh, conjecture, um, there's different opinions on things that might be wise for you, not wise for another person, and everyone gets agitated, and then matters of conscience. We talked about that last week, that you can't superimpose your matters of conscience on somebody else, and vice versa. You need to make sure they're matters of conscience, they're not convictions or commandments, but matters of conscience. And when in the church world, there's two sides and it gets really wrapped up and warped up and energized, this is what can happen over just a simple decision. your side go back to those five c's and really think through where does that subject go on in those areas and yes you might be able to come up with seven you might come up with three um, c's or whatever you want to think but we just have five for our process here so when when that happens when we're not using energy on the important options in life it does cause conflict and uh, people can feel like uh, you're stepping on their toes, and so they're uh, more agitated because they feel like they're being stepped on their toes, whether they 
whether the whatever the subject is and then there are those subjects that are super super significant and so we need to understand what those are and as we move along we'll get into those things again we're setting the table it's gonna be a few more weeks where i want you to be thinking through how you interact with these two taught to taught um, subjects and as we're thinking about this the outcomes are important because the outcomes we embrace and the outcome are in outcomes that embarrass us and outcomes that give life and outcomes that take life. So these outcomes, the results, the consequences, the what's left over once you make that decision are really important. Uh, sometimes they can really embarrass you and just uh, just bring you down. And uh, sometimes uh, they, they take life rather than give life. And so again, this is, this is serious thinking through process. So how do we live well with the options? A uh, verse that's going to come back and forth in different translations, different paraphrases is 1 Corinthians 10, 23. And we read, looking at it one way, you could say anything goes. The idea of freedoms in Christ because of God's immense generosity and grace. We don't have to dissect and scrutinize every action to see if it will pass muster. But the point is not to just get by. So there's this tension we can communicate, it's no big deal, there's grace, there's this, and, and you just don't think about it, you just want to get by. Or we can overdo it and analyze every little nuance and piece uh, of a subject. So there's, there's got to be this balance, and again, as we talked earlier, it needs to be uh, God-inspired, God-directed. God has given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live within us when we say yes to Christ. And what's wonderful is his spirit will energize our conscience and help us think through some of these things and so we need to be in a growing relationship with god not just uh, kind of just uh, stagnant now we looked at those seven churches from the book of revelation saw that's not good when that happens but when we're walking with god growing in our relationship with him uh, we can work through this process because it's just not us god is a part of the process now back in the older testament there's a character named uh, Abraham. Uh, his first, before his name was Abraham, it was Abram. And he was told to leave his home country, go someplace else. And there gets to be a point where his nephew Lot, who he brought along, uh, both have a, a growing uh, farm on wheels, if you will, because they're moving. And there gets to be a point where the land won't support well both groups and their servants, their workers, start to fight. And so we get this uh, situation where there's going to be a decision, where there's options here, and uh, we're just going to take a, take a quick look at this. And quarreling arose between Abram, Turters, and Lot. The Canaanites and the Pezzarites were also living at the land at the time. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. It's not the whole land before you, Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And what's amazing is Abraham, or Abram, being the uh, oldest, being the leader of the family, he really had the, the, the right to say, hey, you go over here a lot, I'm going to go over here. So there's this big discussion, there's a big choice. And very quickly, we see that um, 
Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of Jordan towards Zor was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot's just looking at things. He's going, where's the better place? I want to take the better place. And then we see him do this. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. And uh, it would be nice if we could we can read a little bit between the lines. Uh, this decision will change Lot's life. Changes the trajectory of his family, his future family. Uh, it gets really messy. If you know the whole story, you can check it out. But th- this, this changes his life significantly in a negative way. And we see no thinking. We just say he looks at what's best and just goes for it. And those of us who have had some of these experiences, sometimes what looks best isn't best, but Lot's not thinking that through. So again, as we're talking about, going to be talking about these hot subjects, um, we want to have a thinking process, not let emotions, not let just what comes to mind at first uh, kind of control the situation. And in the King James Version, it says this, Abraham d- Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. And it's very uh, descriptive that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He was leaning in that direction. And if you know Sodom and Gomorrah, their culture was just off the rails. Crazy stuff were going on. Uh, some of you think our culture has gotten off the rails. There's, uh, you know, it's just so much farther along. But it's the fact that he pitches his tent towards means he's leaning in that direction. Uh, That, again, would change his life, his family life, and on and on. And we need to sometimes ask ourselves, where are our tents pitched? Where are they pitched toward? Are they pitched toward uh, a culture and ideas that are not aligned with the love of God and what that really means and the commandments and the convictions and the matters of conscience? Uh, When we make a conjecture decision uh, option, are we pitched toward what... uh, the common world would think, or are we pitched towards what God would say, even in our choices? And again, as we said earlier, you don't over, over analyze everything. I don't want you being at the ice cream stand going, should I get strawberry ice cream or should I get hot cream ice cream? And you're just like, just get both. But anyway, um, you know, I just don't want you agonizing over that kind of thing. So as we think about all of this, we need to realize that the options are yours to decide. God gives us free will. Sometimes I'm not happy that God has given me free will. Why would he just made me do or I just did what he would prefer? But that free will can get me into trouble, can get you into trouble. And we have the free will to follow a command, follow a directive or not. That We have those options. And so it's your option to decide. Um, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. And that really comes to a matter of conscience. And the issue uh, that Paul is bringing up to the Romans is uh, there were folks that wanted to set the whole day aside for the Lord and the Sabbath and and just not do anything, bringing in more of the Older Testament traditions and laws into the future church. And there were some folks saying a day is a day. I've given all my days to the Lord. And uh, that's a matter of conscience. You don't superimpose that on somebody else. There are concepts about how to have a healthy, balanced life, 
what rest is and all of that, and those are really to be the directives that we live with. Uh, when it comes to one day or the other, Paul is saying that's a matter of conscience. You can decide. And you and I will be put in all kinds of situations where the options are up for us to decide. I used to love when I was a little boy and we'd go to a restaurant and my mother would decide what I was getting. Had to be cheap, always water, no soft drink or anything like that. On a really benevolent day, there was chocolate milk. But anyway, but I, but I always knew I'd like it. And sometimes now when I go to a restaurant, I'm going, oh, I just don't know what to get. And I'll say to whoever I'm with, I wish my mom was here. She would just pick out something and I would like it. And that would be nice. Sometimes she's convinced about cooking, and sometimes she's like, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, I don't want to decide what's for dinner. She goes, I have to decide what's for dinner all the time. Let's just get something out. And then, anyway, you know the process. So deciding, deciding, deciding. Options are yours to decide. And going way back, way back, way back to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, there are just some nice little symbolisms there that I think we can bring into our discussion for those of you that aren't old like me who remember this movie. Which one is it? You must choose. Choose wisely. For as the true grail will bring you life, the false grail will take it from you. So many options. The false grail will take away life the true grail will bring life and that happens in a dramatic way in the movie I, uh, I don't you steal my thunder or you can come up here no <laughs> no i better not say that he'll go yeah great <laughs> oh, dodge the bullet there greg <laughs> you know in our culture what the holy grail really is our ability to choose our ability to be free our ability to have as many options as we want and kind of the thinking is just pull yourself out by the book bootstraps and just move, move, move. And you can do, you can be a man, make yourself whatever you want, a woman, you can do whatever you want, just work hard. And the options are just, it's like a buffet before your eyes. Take what you want. And, um, uh, you know, it's, 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 you know, the holy grail, that freedom, again, there's, there's responsibility that comes with that. Um, we can see that uh, eventually it does not uh, go all that well. I'm not a historian. I have no idea what it looks like. Which one is it? Let me choose. The moral of that story is never let the beautiful blonde decide anything for you. <laughs> men don't do that. Women don't do it. There's some beautiful, handsome men out there. Which don't, if they're crazy, don't let them decide, because uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't end well. You chose war. saved you the melting scene where the guy you know gone we are the ones who decide there's a day where your mom doesn't always pick your menu when you go to the restaurant we as Christ followers need to grow up I shouldn't have to decide for you I can give you some directions and guidance 
But as you've grown in your relationship with God, you get some growth under you. You should be in the process. You need other people maybe to bounce some ideas off, but it's your job, your responsibility to decide. You see, options are answerable to God. The way you and I live our lives, the way we look and say, oh, that's a command. Oh, that's not really a command. That's not what he really meant, and he did mean it. Or sometimes some of us who come from a, a more legalistic background have had things in our life that were never commands and never convictions, yet they were projected that way, and we lived under the yoke of them. So you've got, you've got, you can't, you've got to think this through. You've got to be engaged. It's God we are answerable to all the way from life to death and everything in between not each other. Now we're responsible to each other, to care for each other, to demonstrate the love of Christ, love God, love others. But the way you live your life, it's not just to make somebody else happy. It's, it's, it's God. It's God that we're in for all the room in between. And uh, that, that is, can be a warning for us. That can be an encouragement for us. Uh, whatever it is, it, if you're a Christ follower, if you've said yes to God, if you haven't, that you're, you're still going to be answerable to God someday, but this is more about those who have said yes, how we live our lives, we're answerable to them. It won't keep us in or out of heaven because that's the grace of God, but there is something coming in the future, and we will have to answer for that. So these decisions are just not poof. They're, they're important for us to be thinking through. Therefore, each one must answer for himself and give a personal account of his own life before God. Some uh, translations say uh, a reckoning, and that's really an accounting term. The numbers have got to all add up. Uh, there will be no fudge. There will be no, you know, when you're doing uh, checkbook stuff, uh, you know, it's got to be exact. Uh, there's no room for, you know, whatever. I think I've told you before, before I got married, I was so frustrated with balancing my checkbook that I just started rounding up or rounding down. So if I wrote a check for $13.50, I'd put in there $14. If I wrote a check for $13.35, it was $13. Never bounce the check. Don't try this at home. So when Cindy got the checkbook, she was like, ah, but I would go nuts trying to balance the checkbook. So I just gave up. That's not going to happen in heaven. It's not going to be somebody else did your checkbook for you. My checkbook, how I've been writing the checks of my life, who I've been using them, do they add up? Got to realize, again, that options are right for all of us. All of us have rights. All of us have options. All of us can, you know, decide. All of us can decide for ourselves. I mean, uh, in Philippians, we read, you know, look to the interest, of, not only to your own interests, but the interests of others. So there is this common sense. Yeah, you've got to take care of yourself. If you're not doing things that are good for your life, then how can you have anything left to give over? And we can play games with where that is. You know, we can be a little more selfish or we can, you know, the other way and be all worn out. Again, that's this growing relationship with God. So we need to understand that. Uh, in Paul's writing to the Corinthians, am I not free? Am I not apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? And what he's getting at is uh, that he was being denied some of his rights by the Corinthians. They, they weren't um, 
being uh, kind to him. They were uh, taking him for granted. And uh, there were other examples where they weren't doing this. So he's like, what is going on here? And uh, you guys are being so selfish. And uh, so there are times where you and I have rights. We're not a doormat and all those kinds of things. Uh, we need to take inventory of that. And here are some good reasons to hold on to your rights. Uh, why you should uh, think about that. Why uh, I should take care of myself. Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. He uh, invested in your life, helped start the church, all those kinds of things form it. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment of me. Again, you know, um, you know I, I've, I've helped you. I've done marvelous things with you. I stayed with you for a long period of time. Um, you know, that's that whole idea. He says, don't we have the right to food and drink? Uh, remember, Paul, a lot of times, was doing this hybrid thing where he was working with canvas and tents and those kinds of things to support his ministry rather than depending on the church. And, and, and uh, he wasn't getting any help, any relief from the local churches. And he's like, don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to uh, take a believing wife along with us as do the other apostles and the Lord's brother, uh, that's James and Cephas, that's Peter, or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right not to work, right to not work for a living? In other words, they were not supporting him. So there are times where you and I uh, should have rights. We should take care of ourselves, and Paul is raising this. There are times where we don't need to give up the spot in the line. It's, uh, you know, we're in line, we've been doing things, and, and that's, that's perfectly reasonable i remember one time we were at a restaurant it was a little crowd i was a little boy and finally someone got up and i got a seat and all of a sudden some older person came in and the minute that older person came in my father was like i'm like what are you talking about just get a seat up i'm like kid i'm tired no nope, sit your chair so i would give my spot in the line up and this sweet lady goes oh what a nice young man it wasn't me it was my father elbowing me but anyway Sometimes, you know, you don't have to give up your spot, and sometimes you ought to, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. And don't tell me that I have no authority to write like this. I'm perfectly free to do this. I'm perfectly free to exercise that authority and what's going on. And uh, there's some other passages there you can look on your own in 1 Corinthians. Uh, we're not going to take the time to go through them, uh, but you can just see how he is uh, just, he should be thwarted. If others have the right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we do not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel, the good news of Christ. So your spot, also this idea that you've earned it, you've earned your way. So if you have planted spiritual seed among you, is it out of line to expect a meal or two from you? Uh, you know, Paul should, they should have been gracious to Paul, and they weren't being gracious to Paul. And we're going to see that it's not about him receiving something from him. It's that it's a representation of their hearts. And that is what's so offensive to Paul. It's not that Paul isn't getting, you know, dinner or getting a salary or any of that kind of stuff. It's that they don't get it. The good news of Jesus Christ, love God, love others. The good news of Jesus Christ, that he gave his life for us. So we could have forgiveness of sins, so we could have a relationship with God. He died on the cross and rose again. All that goes in it, it is not impacting their generosity in the way they're interacting with Paul. And if anybody was to experience the generosity of, 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 of the Corinth church, it ought to be Paul. 
And so, you know, again, don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered at the altar. In the same way, the Lord has commanded those who preach the gospel, the good news, should receive their living from the good news, from the gospel. And so, you know, there are all kinds of reasons, you can name them, that you deserve the right to choose for yourself. Those options can be uh, for you, for you. But there is a moment, and we just read a verse that hinted to that, that there is a moment where there are better reasons to let go of your rights. There are some times where it comes to a matter of conscience, it comes to conjecture, it comes to choices, and those three things line up better with one decision for you, and you opt to let it go and go the way of somebody else. There's better reasons to let go of your rights. But I've not used any of these rights, and I'm not writing you in the hope that you will do such things for me. For I'd rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, the good news, I cannot, I cannot boast, since I'm compelled to preach. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. I love that. Woe to me if I don't do what you have made me to be. For Paul, it was to preach the gospel. For all of us, it can be different things. And Paul's saying, it's better reasons to let go of my rights. I'm not going to demand this thing. I am here to be a representation of Christ. And sometimes that means I have to suffer. That sometimes means I have to sacrifice. And I'm willing to do it. I'm not going to be a doormat at the same time. I'm going to remind you of your responsibility. And it bothers me, Paul is saying, that it's not coming from your heart. It's not that I want those things so desperately. I want to see a change in your so, one of the things that he will let go of his rights for is the good news. When was the last time, Christ follower, you let go of your rights, maybe even took it on the chin a little bit, because of the good news of God? That should be a regular encounter. Some of us, I, I hope some of you, I imagine, are doing it regularly and don't even know you're doing it because it's just a part of your fiber of your life. It's a part of your heart. That is wonderful. But there are times where you take it for the sake of getting the good news out. If I proclaim the message, it's not to get something out of it for myself. I'm compelled to do it. I think every Christ follower should have some area that they're compelled to give their life away in. I can't tell you what it is. I can't tell you how much it is. Your growing relationship with Christ will clearly give you that when it's needed. What are you compelled? What do you say? God made me to be this, and this is who I am. And it's all based, the umbrella over it all, is to get the good news out. That's why a group of people worked desperately hard yesterday and before that months in advance to pull off a game dinner where I think there was over 230 people here, not including the helpers. Why were they slaving? Why were they there doing all that kind of stuff? Why were people dragging in their deer heads and putting them on the wall and, you know, making all kinds of interesting food? I did try something that wasn't processed. But anyway... Love those macaroni and cheese. That's, you know, that's, 
It's homemade. That's kind of living on the edge, you know, but um, made some fish. Stayed away the, from the goose. Sorry about that. But anyway, but the reason those folks did that is for the good news. They were compelled to do it. Some of those guys, especially the folks leading it, were, were, were almost anxious about getting it done and doing it right and not missing an opportunity. And there's a, there's a little bit of goodness in that anxiousness, that awareness, because they wanted the program to be successful, not just to teach, uh, you know, hunting techniques, not just to have everyone leave here with a nice full belly and, wow, this is great, but for them to be sitting out right where you were last night and hearing something about the good news. The good news is worth it. It's so worth it that somebody did that for you. And that's why you're sitting in the seat you're sitting in. Somebody paid for the church you're sitting in. They were compelled to do it. Not guilted in, not twisted around, compelled because of their relationship with God. Good news moves right into people. Why do we give up our rights? People. Why do we have difference makers living around the world? And when you bump into them and they come back, they, they yes, it's hard and it's heavy work. Some places are harder than others, but, but there's still a joy in their faith. They're willing to give it up all for people. They see people. Loved seeing people. Loved the way they uh, included the kids in last night. So kids just weren't sitting there. They got gifts and whatever, you know, things and cookie-calling thing. I, I don't know. They got all this kind of hunting stuff. I'm going to pay tickets for people to sit on my deck with their gun and they can get gun, but I'm, it's not that important. But anyway, people, 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 people. I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I came just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. What are you willing to experience that's not your favorite so someone might get a taste of the God-saved life? And there's churches, you know, there's all kinds of different positions on all kinds of stuff. And... Uh, it's great that we have different styles and different flavors in our community. That's fantastic. But don't let the flavors, don't let the preferences get in the way of seeing people as God sees them. Some of the things we do around here, it's not really edgy, but they can seem edgy to some. But it's all about doing something that touches someone's soul. Do anything. Paul's heard me say this today. I would even do this. If, if I knew wearing a three-piece suit, wearing a robe, would make me connect more with the people sitting out here, the people online, I would wear that. That's my favorite thing. I'd be okay with singing Gregorian chants if more people would be present and influenced by the gospel coming through this church. doesn't matter to me. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't have favorite things and all that kind of stuff. But we need to see where that line is. That's what inspires us to do. We don't like change for the sake of change. We're trying to reach people for Christ. And that's why we do a dinner like that. That's why we do some of the other things. That's why they took the kids um, canoeing and 
and because of your generosity and sacrificial gifts of this church, we could sponsor that for kids in Springfield, all that kind of stuff. This is so cool. So there's people, and the last one is the finish line. We're all running towards the finish line. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving everything I've got, no sloppy living for me. At any age and stage, no sloppy living for me. I ask myself, and it's not just I'm a pastor, but I know there's a finish line coming. I want to finish strong. I make it to 70, 80, 90, whatever. I want those years to be used. I don't want to, quote, unquote, retire and retire from trying to have a hand in seeing the good news get out there. And again, it's different for every person. I want to finish strong. We've all met that grumpy old man that's just grumpy, 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 grumpy. And he's just got a sorry attitude and he's not finishing strong. I've told you my friend about Jack Christensen, getting older, health failings, talked to him. He would pray for me. He's a pastor and all these kinds of things. And he would ask him, what about a pearl clutch? He'd say, that I finished well. And I would say, Jack, come on. You're Bible college president, missionary in Pakistan, blah, blah. You have finished well. And he was aware that it was possible for him, even in his late 80s, not to finish didn't want to be all about him. So to finish well, no sloppy living for me. A life filtered, o- filter, fr- thank you, frittered. I, I keep, I, I say fritter, apple fritter. No, no. A life frittered away disgusts God. He loves those who run straight for the finish line. Our choices our decisions, the things that we think we can't touch that are kept in the shadows or what's what, we need to decide. We need to incorporate that into our thinking so we finish. That's a tough little carpenter. What you and I do with our options matters. We need to think, how am I giving options energy in my life so that I actually can think through them? Am I letting the barragement of all this stuff give me a cloudy view on the options? Am I thinking through how they fit? Am I thinking through what's a commandment, what's a conviction, what's a moral conscience? What's conjecture that's wise for me to do and what choices I should be applying to that. You see, choosing wisely the freedom of options is not the freedom from outcomes. All the options will have outcomes. Some very quickly, some long term. Some will have options that will have an outcome that uh, ripple through history. Those of you who helped start this church 40-plus years ago, 
this is a ripple that keeps going. A lot of those original folks aren't around, aren't on planet Earth anymore. They're having ripple effects. There are all kinds of ways you and I can have ripple effects. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, this can be a heavy subject in the sense of exhausting. There's just so much in our world. Help us hear clearly your voice in all of this. I pray the person that's here that's still deciding whether they say yes to Jesus, they ought to see that the finish line is coming. And, and they can have a good finish, no matter what age or stage they are in life, if they say yes to you. And then they can think through, have the Spirit of God in their life, helping them with all of this and the joy that it brings to make a difference in people's lives. And for those of us who have already said yes, would we have a burning passion to use our lives well, to finish well? And would we take the resources, the time and energy to make sure we're looking at our options through your eyes, we pray. We thank you. We thank you for the gift that you haven't given us instructions and just let us be on our way, but to join our life and walk with us side by side. May we follow your lead, we ask in Jesus' name.